I'm Jess Fishlock and this is Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, Ruth and I are very fortunate to interview Jess Fishlock. Um, Jess is obviously an incredibly talented person. She's travelled all around the world playing football. Uh, has amassed a ridiculous amount of uh, awards and trophies and medals and achievements and we were very lucky to to be able to chat to her. Uh, We talked about everything really from her early career, from her move to Holland, um, time spent in Melbourne and obviously where she's working and playing football now in Seattle. After a little half-time break we spoke to Jess further about Wales, the upcoming England game and just about the campaign in general. Uh, We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, I'm here with Ruth as always. Good morning. And a very special guest, Jess Fishlock. Thank you for joining us, Jess. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, So in putting together a little introduction for today, um, I was going to list a few of your achievements and then I realised that that would take up pretty much all the time you had. So I'm just going to say you're great and (laughs) thank you very much for joining us. No, well... um... Thank you very much. Uh, I have had a long career, so uh, we'll, we'll put it down to that. <laughs> so talking about a long career, Jess, I wanted to talk a little bit about, start off with your, you know, your very initial sort of steps into football. You obviously come from, or from what I read, in quite a sporty family, but perhaps yeah. with an emphasis on, on rugby rather than football from yeah. your dad's side. So perhaps if you could tell us a little bit about how, how you just first started to access football. Yeah, look, um, you're absolutely right. The, the sports that I started to grow up in, football wasn't one of them. Uh, you know, and, and back then, football being accessible to women was just, uh, it just wasn't there. It was non-existent. So I actually got into it uh, by complete accident. Um, it was like a summer holiday and, you know, I'm one of six, so you can imagine my mother now has to deal with six of us for a summer holiday. So it's probably a lot easier to send us all to the same kind of thing rather than, you know, six go to separate weekly summer camps yeah. or whatever. So I actually went to a soccer camp because my sister wanted to go and it was either I went with her or I stayed at home for the entire week. So um, naturally I went with my older sister um, and I fell in love with it, you know, and she, bless her soul, it was not her gift, <laughs> uh, but we found out that it was it was mine. So um, you know, by complete accident is how I came across football. Um, so we have we have, to, we have your sister best. to thank for this. <laughs> but yeah, that, this is her claim to fame. Actually. <laughs> um, but I, you know, it was one of the you know definitely the best accident that that would happen. And, and from then on in, you know, I loved football but I played a lot of different sports because you know it's, it was still very difficult at that time to to play football for a woman so you know I did play rugby my dad was is not was is a huge rugby fan so I played rugby for a long time cricket for a long time hockey for a long time um and I probably could have gone far with either one of those sports really if I had stayed into it my mother always says I was probably better at those sports than I was at football at that time really? yeah but um you know whenever it came down to it it wasn't even that you know if they ever clashed it was always I'm going to football I'm going to football (laughs) um 
until eventually you just get to an age where you can't do two two sports at such a high level. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's how I, that's how I got into it. You know, I have to thank my sister and obviously <laughs> having so many kids. Otherwise, I probably would have gone to like softball or something. <laughs> And at, and at what point did you start to think it was actually something you could do professionally, Jess? Because it, you know, yeah. it, it hasn't been re- really an option for girls for that no. long. So, yeah. Well, but basically, what happened was uh, I'd finished high school, and you know, I didn't want to go to college. It wasn't academic; wasn't something that was for me. It wasn't that I wasn't good at it or something but it was just that it just didn't appeal to me I just never enjoyed it and wanted to go you know so I did try to go to college because you know it's important to do your studies and to to stay in school so if any kids are listening stay in school but um, (laughs) I did I did try it but the truth was that when I was first went to college I was in the youth national team U19 and going to training camps with the national team at that point you know, when I was 16 or whatever. So I missed so much school with football and I just could not uh, catch up. It was too much because I'd go away with the national team, I'd come back and I'd go away with the youth national team and I'd come back and I think within the first six weeks of college, I'd missed literally five weeks of blood. And so, you know, I sat down uh, with my mum one day and I was like, I'm just not going to school. Like, I'm just not going to school because I don't want to not go away with my national teams. And so at that point, I think I was like 16, I made a decision that I would go and work full time to fund my football for this point until I made it as a pro, which was something that I decided at that age that, that was what I was going to do. Like that was my decision. Um, so that's what I did. And so, you know, my, my mother was truly my mother and was like, well, if you're going to not go to school and you're going to work, then I'm going to treat you as an adult because you're going to have an income. You can't just have all this money to just throw around because you're not going to work, you know, how to be independent, how to be an adult. So at that point, you know, I was paying rent and I was having bills, you know, so I really decided at that age that I wasn't going to be a child anymore. I was going to go and work full time and pay for my football and, you know, I was very lucky that I had parents that treated me like an adult at that point because that was a decision that I made. I decided that I wasn't going to be a kid and go to study. I was going to work full time. So, and then a couple of years later, I got my first pro gig in Holland, and you know, I, that's when I knew my decision was right. You know, yeah. it wasn't an easy decision, but um, when you invest in something, sometimes you just go I'll throw everything out and then just hope that it works out. You know? How did you find the move to Holland at such, such, uh, such a young age? Funny story. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, we were playing against Holland for Wales um, in a European, European game. We actually played them down in Newport. Uh, and the assistant manager for the Dutch team was just about to be named the full-time manager of a team that was going into the league in Holland yeah. so he sent an email to the Welsh FA and said I need a contact email for number wherever <laughs> and then so the Welsh administrator emailed me while I was in work and was like 
so and so are looking for uh, interested in you going. I don't know if this is anything that you want, but I just passed on your email. And I was like, you don't know if this is anything that I want. <laughs> this is all I want. <laughs> and I left my work like within two weeks, I think. Oh, wow. I just, just up and left and moved my life within two weeks. Wasn't even a wasn't even a decision for me. It was just I went home that day and said, Mom, I'm going to Holland. And she was like, excuse me. <laughs> and how old were you when you actually went to Holland? I think I was like 18. I was reading that you, you know, there was a lot of mentorship and a lot of almost sort of regrouping during that that period. Can you talk a little bit more about that, Jess? Yeah, when I went to Holland, it was funny that the reason the guy took me in there was because he was like, Holland play this total football, but they lack like a bite, they lack passion, you know, they just, they play beautiful football, but they don't really have the the big desire to have to change if they need to. You know, if they play against a team that are physical one of the fast, they still want to play the style of football that perhaps isn't, you know. You know, they just wanted their, their, their girls, I think, to see a different style of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what had to happen was I had to change also because my style was like a 1% of how they played. And what they wanted was the 1% of my game to affect the way that they played. Yeah. Whereas I had to then give them my 1%, but probably learn 99% of <laughs> um, And at the beginning, it was really hard because, you know, I couldn't have played any different from the way that they played. You know, they were, we keep the ball at all costs, we find an opening, we probe, we break lines, we're composed. Whereas back home, all I'd ever known is kick the ball as far as you can, chase as fast as you can. You know, I mean, that's how I, all I'd learned back home. So it was a huge um, learning curve for me. I had to throw football out the window pretty much from what I'd learned and, and start from a black canvas. Um, that's probably the best thing I ever did because I learned football in a completely different way yeah. I learned to enjoy the ball which I think is, is one of the biggest and bestest things I've ever learned is that the ball is actually a friend it's not something that's a hot potato you know <laughs> no absolutely and I think like you can see that the way that football has changed like your coaching has changed dramatically yeah. like that was roughly the time like I was involved in coaching like and, and the difference in you would see teams on a Saturday morning who were just telling you to get the ball lump yeah. it forward to the big lad or the fast lad and just kind of to yeah. all intents and purposes hope for the best and you had yeah. team, teams who were beating you 8-0 every week or whatever and then you put them in a team that actually played football and they you know development squads or whatever and they just didn't know what day of the week it was yeah exactly but it did work out for you obviously you won the Eredivisie twice Mm-hmm. So obviously a very very successful uh, trip. Yeah, it was, um, and I think I left halfway through my third season because WSL started then, and I was like, maybe I should give England a chance. Um, and it was probably one of the most difficult decisions I've made because I never like to leave when I'm halfway through something, and we were on our way to win a third title, which is obviously what I what I wanted. Um, but at the lure of the WSL one at that point, um, I'm going home for a bit was probably too much of a, uh, 
a pull yeah. for me personally. Um, and I'm not going to say that I, I regretted going back home because that's not fair because I had a good time at the store and, you know, it got me my move over here because of Harvey. But um, I definitely did not enjoy the, the 18 months or two years in England at all. All right. I didn't feel like football had progressed at all. I didn't think that the WSL was what they were saying it was. You know, they kind of sold it as a lie pretty much at that point, you know. And um, we were supposed to go and train full time and play this beautiful football. We trained twice a week and played old football. And so I was like, I have just come from, I've progressed myself from training every day, sometimes twice a day. Loving football and loving the ball to training twice a week, and um, you know the ball being a hot potato again. Mm-hmm. And you know I really thought that um, I'd regressed basically because because of that choice. But um, you know I don't want to say that I regret it because I don't. Because you know I had a great time there. Yeah. And, you know I was successful for Bristol from regards of Bristol as a club from what they've achieved um, but uh, yeah there's elements to that move that if I had to do it all over again I probably wouldn't have right. done that Is that what you think kind of inspired your move to Melbourne then after that it was the, the sport oh, of football and everything that went with it As soon as that season ended I was just like um, I gotta get out of here <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get out of the UK um it's not. It's not what it says it is. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's like this big advertisement, and then you turn it over, and you have all the tiny small print that you didn't realize was there until you get there. You know, and yeah. that's what it was back then. You know, obviously it's progressed right now, and it's it's slowly but surely getting to it. it. It should be, but back then it really was kind of missold a little bit. You know, and, yeah. and I, I that's on me. You know, probably should. But I really did want to give England and the WSL a benefit of the doubt because if you can, if you can play at home to the level that you want to play at, that's what you want to do. You know, I would love to play at this level here at home. Yeah. You know, you, you just just can't do it right now. And, yeah. and you know, um, that was it, it. Was it was sad for me, you know, because I. You know, it was nice being close to home. It was nice being close to my family and seeing them whenever I wanted to. But um, it just wasn't the football. Just was not what I was expecting to be at all. And so, yes, very much at the end of that season, I was like, I'm going to get out of here. I just got to go. I got to see what else is out there. So then I went to Melbourne briefly for like a, a guest appearance, uh, and then I moved here. And this has definitely been expensive. Exactly, better than what I expected. What have you found the, the biggest challenges about being a, a football player here in the US, Jess? I think the hardest thing is being a foreigner is really difficult here because you know it is very US driven, um, US players driven. I don't feel like they really understand or appreciate the international influx that they have in this league because they have some unbelievable international players in this league and there's so many international players now that it isn't just about the US players anymore. Yeah. You know, US players 
you know, play alongside some of the best players in the world. Um, and I don't feel that the U.S. as a broadcasting team, as a U.S. soccer, or I'm not going to say fan base because I believe the fans are great with that. But, you know, you look at the game this weekend, to go to a tournament of nations, the U.S. national team players are not allowed to play this weekend, yet all the other players that are going to a tournament of nations for the other team yeah. are playing this weekend. You know, it's like you can't you can't put all the girls together and in the same boat types type thing, but then treat them differently. Yeah. The US national team play. I just don't think it's fair. Absolutely. It's not fair. And you know, it's not being a, being a being a European international. The schedule is so hard when it comes off season. We fly home, we fly here, we fly home, we fly here. But they don't take that into consideration at all. And I feel that they need to start looking at that and taking care of the foreign players as much as they take care of the U.S. national team players because in order for the league to grow, um, they're going to have more and more foreigners because that's just the way it's going to grow, you know. And if you can get the very best of the Europeans or the South Americans, the very best of the American teams, then and the Asian teams, the Asian players, then... um, the league is just going to keep going from strength to strength. But if we keep ignoring the fact that you have these players in the league to make the league better, then they're going to leave. Yeah. You know? And that's the one thing that I think US soccer and NWSL as a whole really need to look at is that the league has grown now that it did not just rely on the US national players to make the league successful. The league is successful because of every single player that you have. Yeah. So you have to treat them all with the same amount of respect that they deserve. Um, speaking of, you know, things changing, hopefully, um, for me, in the UK at least, the uh, 2012 Olympics was almost like a, a watershed moment, I thought, in the way yeah. that women's football was kind of perceived in the UK. Um, a lot more people wanted to go to anything to do with the Olympics and, you know, people wanted to go to football men or women but I, I remember going to watch Team GB play because they played a game in Cardiff and yeah. um, the Team GB took the centre kick and who, I can't remember who the player was turned 90 degrees to her right and just sprayed the ball directly out of play for a throw in and it was obviously yeah. like some orchestrated move that had just like there'd been a breakdown in communication something had gone wrong somewhere and I this is an awful thing to say but because I was surrounded by men really with their families and the majority of men who were kind of sat around all kind of like grimaced at each other as if to say like what the hell am I doing here like they can't even kick a ball in a straight line and it was one of those moments I was just like come on like surely you realise that this is just some and it it felt like as that game progressed I remember Team GB won 1-0 against New Zealand right? yeah that's right yeah New Zealand and yeah, it was a terrible game. Actually. Oh, it was an awful game. For, the, the, the game before, yeah, I, I think Brazil played and won like 6 yeah, or something before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was one of those where at least like the quality of football after that moment, every, there was almost like the recognition in that point of, yeah. oh, actually, this is, this is not actually that bad. And I, I feel it became more of a thing where people were willing to embrace women's football rather than it just be a sideshow, which is what I kind of felt it was at the time. Do, do you agree with that? Yes and no. I feel like during the Olympics, 
100%. Everybody gets so excited for the Olympics and they want to go watch something live, they want to go insane, they want to the Olympics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't feel like post the Olympics that women's football was able to hold on to the crowds or the people right, or yeah. um, the, the interest. I think as soon as the Olympics went, I think what we realized was that the draw was the fact that it was the Olympics. The draw wasn't. It wasn't anything to do with women's football. Yeah. I think that you found that in how the league then went, there was not really any substantial increase in fans or et cetera, et cetera. And in the end, they had to change the league again to go to a winter league to try and change all that. You mm. know? So I feel as much as at the time when you were in it, the Olympics was fantastic for women's football. But what we were unable to do in the UK, and I still don't understand why, is is be able to keep the interest and make it into women's football. We weren't able to do that. Yeah. And that was a shame because I feel like it was a missed opportunity. I also believe that it was a missed opportunity because the team GB didn't medal and they really should have um, for, what, for what they had. Um, and I think that that was a huge um, missed opportunity. But separate from that, we were unable as a as a collective back home to keep the interest from the, from the fans to women's football it literally was just a connection with the Olympics which is a shame yeah. it was a shame what would you like to see as the, as the key change in British football then that might address that as... yeah I know it's, it's really hard you know whenever I, had a, I did an interview the other day and they asked me the exact same question like why is it that you get so much interest here that from a fan perspective and from a, from a support perspective. And it, it's it's hard to try and put a finger on it. I do believe it's because you have a massive college pathway here where, you know, it's ingrained in you at such a young age that not just women's football, but women's sports mm-hmm. yeah. in the USA is... And, and this is a very strong word to use, but I'm just going to use it anyway. Is women's sports here is respected and it's respected and it's supported by everybody by mums by dads by families by friends you know it's not you don't view women's sports here and just be like oh it's just a, you know and that starts off at high school it goes into college and then it goes into to the pros you know and I feel back home as terrible as it sounds, we really do miss the respect bit. We don't have the respect for women's sports back home. We no, just don't. We no, view it as something that shouldn't happen, that isn't as good, that is a joke. We don't view it as a respectful sport that we should be supporting. And I feel until we manage to change that, then we're going to have the same problem where even now, even now, in 2018, when the men's England team goes to the World Cup, you still ignore the women. There's still all the problems with the women punditry. The Daily Mail come out and say that it's the only English, only English men can be proud of the English team or whatever, whatever they put on their front page. It's just, yeah. there's so much lack of respect for women in general let alone women's sports. And I feel like until we fix that within society, we're going to struggle 
to get the right level of respect and support from a sporting perspective, you know? And I feel like you need, it needs to be visible. You need to have big male role models that say, well, women's sports, good. It's, you have to respect it, you have to support it. And I do feel like you get that back here. You do get a lot of male athletes. I mean, Kyrie Irving went and watched the women's uh, NBA game last year, flew across to go and watch it, and he's like, these athletes are, are sick, you know? And yeah. I just I just don't feel like you get that back. You don't have the same level of respect in general, just like as a basic, um, as a basic starting point. That's something that we have to change back home. I just, I don't know how you go about doing it. It has to be visibility. It has to be visibility. I think that's the only way that it changes. I totally agree. I I, I, I was watching the the World Cup, obviously, recently here. And um, a lot of the the comments afterwards were, you know, did you see that Alex Scott's punditry was great? And and, and in the US, Kelly Smith was on TV. And just like, wasn't her punditry great? I was just like... Well, of course it was. That's like that's what they're there for. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. shouldn't we be saying Ian Wright was a dreadful pundit or Alexi Lalas yeah. couldn't say anything sensible rather than the other way around? I, I, I totally agree with you. It's a it's a difficult one to kind of to broach unless, unfortunately, more male like role models, as you say, kind of say more about it on on TV. I actually wanted to kick off by asking you a couple of questions about your recent award of a of an MBE. Jess and, and <laughs> the reaction, the smile on your face for those of you who can't see it is a positive one. <laughs> yeah, um, look, I was shocked to be honest, like really um, surprised in a positive way. Obviously, um, I didn't when the email on that first came through. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was somebody playing. A little game. I have to email the guy back and be like, "Is is this a joke?" <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it's um, it's such a great honor. Obviously, everyone who's a part of, of of the UK probably understands it a little bit more than than the Americans. It's just yeah. how how what such an honor it is. Um, but I think for me that the best thing about it is that. It's something that my whole family can enjoy too. Like we're all going to go to London. We're all going to go and enjoy it. And obviously, you know, some will be able to come into the ceremony with me, which will be great. Um, yeah. So I think the what it makes this award so special is that it's definitely something that um, the whole family can enjoy, which for me is 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 so important because they are a huge a huge part of my success. You know. So um, and they they. You know, sometimes they don't get the credit really, or the people in in the background and the supports the support staff, or whatever as people call it, or your support system don't often get the rewards that you get. So I'm I'm glad that this is something that that everybody and my whole family can enjoy. Absolutely. Um, to to segue uh, into Wales. Um, we have a while, a while ago when we started doing podcasts before and after the women's games, um, Hayley, who runs Fee Wales, went and interviewed a couple of people, um, like around and about her at the matches before the game. And before one game, chanced across a little girl who was sat in front of her called Seren. So every time we've done like a preview chat, mm-hmm. um, we've always 
asked, we've like con- we found Saren's mum on Twitter, and so Saren always has a little something for us uh, before and after each match. So we thought we might, well, we might, we we did ask her to ask uh, you a couple of questions. So I'm going to kind of, I, I hope you can hear these. Um, and if you could answer Saren's questions, I think she'd of love course. it. So I'll try. I hope you can hear these. Hi, Jess. I was really excited when my mum told me I would be doing this. Question one. How many times do you train a week? Question two. What advice do you give for the little ones who want to become footballers? Question three. Are you excited for the big match? Thank you. So those are okay. Saren's three questions. <laughs> okay, so I'll do my best to answer these questions. So number one, how often do we train a week? We'd have Monday off, come in Tuesday um, for a lighter, a lighter session, but on the field. Um, and pre the training session, we do like a little, um, like a little strength stroke um, pre-activation session. We do a little bit of like bounding and some ball, um, med ball work and some it's a little bit of strength a little bit of power and so we do that before we go out and then on the wednesday we probably have our big, biggest day where we go you know hard session um a little bit of a break which is today obviously have some lunch and then we go to the gym so we do have a double day then then we'd have thursday off or Likewise, tomorrow we end up flying across country to Florida, so we jump on a six-hour flight <laughs> instead of, which makes it very difficult over here because you never get your fully rest days when you need it. Yeah. You know, so it's really hard to say exactly what we would do. Um, but we would travel, or we'd have a rest day tomorrow. Then we would be back in on Friday, um, and then you have an option of like a little kind of like a little strength thing again just to kind of activate the muscles and then we would play so the moral of the story is we probably get one day off sometimes maybe an extra more rest day um for those who have played a lot of minutes or a little bit older or etc etc but right now because we're in the state of the season that we're in and our schedule has been crazy it's probably more about rest and recovery than it is about crazy training um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we probably train four, five times a week plus gym. So yeah. So. And what advice would you give to uh, <laughs> who want to start playing football? Yeah, look, uh, I would say the most important thing, especially as you as you're younger, is you gotta enjoy it first and foremost. You know, before you don't want to get so focused and so determined at such a young age that you forget how fun it is you know like I still very much enjoy getting up and going to training every day because I enjoy being there you know and I would hate that kids at such a young age now get so focused on you know what they what they can get out of it that they forget to enjoy it you know so that would be my my first and foremost would be you have to enjoy it. And my second will be that you have to understand that it's a sport that that is that needs a lot of hard work. You know, you have to you have to understand that for the majority of the game in football you probably don't have the ball and so you have to 
have a good mentality with regards to a good work ethic and work hard and keep working hard. Yeah. Even when things don't go your way, you got to still work hard and do the right things. And that's probably the only two bit of advice I would do. If you have those two attributes where you enjoy it and you enjoy working hard, then you probably will have a lot of success. And finally, the question I think we all want to ask is, are you excited about the big game? I am. I'm so excited about our game. I'm trying to not think about it because I don't want to think about the what-ifs and, you know, we could be this, we could be that, you know. It's it's too much to think about that. And I don't want to think about that and ignore or forget that we actually have to play the game. Yeah. So um, I'm super excited. Um and I'm really looking forward to, to playing the game. But I, as of right now, I'm trying my best to not overthink it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about the game, <laughs> having said you now don't want to overthink <laughs> it, um, thank you, Saren, for your questions, by the way. Um, Will you say a little hello for Saren? I think she might like that. Yes, hello, Saren. Thank you very much for your questions. And uh, I hope that you continue to play football for a very long time. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, talking about the game a few things have come up recently that I wanted to, to talk to you about mm-hmm. before we just get into like Wales in general um, obviously the game's going to be in Newport and it's a sellout yeah. was the choice of venue do you know was that like the players the staff the FAW or just kind of everyone together the general consensus I believe from the players perspective is we, we want to do in Newport um, you know we had some great we had a great game at the Liberty I think we played against yeah. Bosnia um, and obviously we played at Cardiff as well I believe against Kazakhstan yeah. um, but I think we felt most comfortable and, and most at home uh, at Newport and I think that's because we're based there when we play the Dragon Park and we train there that's where we're based so you know it's just it feels better to, to, to be there from, from our perspective and I understand everybody's you know, saying what they're saying about the tickets and number one, the allocation for England and number two, the stadium's not big enough, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I just want to take a quick hot second to remind people that like six months ago, we were getting like 500 people. Yeah. So let's not like forget right now that, you know, we're not going to go into a stadium of 20,000 and just... You know, that's not what we're going to do. We're still building. We're still getting to a, a good spot as a team. And, you know, when we played Russia, it's a sellout of 1,000. We've gone to 5,000. They could probably go to seven, maybe. And, okay, we could sell it out, which is great. But let's just remind ourselves quickly, um, and the fans especially, of where we've come from. Yeah, and about six months ago, we probably would not have sold, like, a thousand tickets let alone sell it out within a day so you know the growth of it is exceptional and it's brilliant and you know that's exactly what we want um but i would ask the fans and the people that are obviously going to be devastated that they've missed out on a ticket and you know apologies for that but i mean you know like i said a couple months ago there was no people coming to our games. So, um, you know, we have to do it realistically. We have to do it the right way and we have to build it the right way and hopefully we can keep building so next time we'll go to 8,000 or 10,000 
but for people to say that we should have gone to a huge stadium, you know, we're home. We're playing a massive game. We want it to be close. We want it to be small. We want it to be intimate. Yeah. That's what we want because we want to make them feel uncomfortable. We want those to understand that this is our home. You're coming into a cauldron pretty much and that's what we want. We don't want a massive stadium where England are equally bringing 10,000 people. That's not what we want. So um, that's why I understand what people are saying, but this is the best thing for us as a country, as a team, and for those who missed out on tickets from the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry, but come to the next one. <laughs> uh, watch it on TV, still support us because this is going to be huge, going to be a massive growth. Um, but equally, we have to do it the right way and we have to make sure that this game is done in the right way for us Absolutely. as a team, not, you know, not anyone else. No, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think it should be seen more than a more than a money making exercise or anything. Yeah. There's, there's one thing that matters and one thing only, and that is being England. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I believe that this is the the best thing for us. The pitch isn't going to be huge. It's not going to be a carpet that they're looking for. You know, it's going to be all right. Well, show us what you got. Yeah. Down in Newport. Absolutely. Bring it on. Like a real. Everyone's very, very excited. Um, <laughs> just, just to talk about the game a little bit. Um, yeah. In, in the home game uh, for England in, in St Mary's, it was like a, it was very much like a tactical masterclass, really, in the way that the game went, and just huge amount of hard work and, and effort that went into it. Do you see this game maybe being a bit different in that you can maybe go for broke a little bit and, and, and try and get something, or do you think it'll probably be focused in the same way and see if you can basically nick something on the break? Yeah, look, it's going to be so interesting because I I don't know what Jane, Jane is thinking or what she wants us to do. Um, you know, she spends a lot of time planning things uh, mythologically or whatever that word is. Um, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and that's why we have been so successful because she does put so much time and effort into how we're going to play, how we're going to work. Um. And you, everybody saw that against England. And, I, you know, look, the reality of it is, is England are one of the best teams in the world, right? And although we've had a fantastic campaign, you know, we're not going to run away with ourselves and be like, oh, we can match England at their own game. We probably can't. If we want to play this expansive football, we're going to open up a lot of spaces for Jody, Fran... Tony, Nikita to have all the space that they want what caused them the biggest amount of problems is when they don't have space, they struggle so I can't envisage us giving them a lot of space that that just wouldn't wouldn't seem that we would do but obviously I don't know Um, but I know that whatever we are going to do we're going to work so hard in training and in camp and in preparation to make sure that we do it and we are disciplined and we are structured um, because that is what has got us to this point. And I just don't see that changing yeah. at all. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that we will still invite them onto us and try and defend the dangerous spaces. And then, you know, we have one of the most devastating counterattacks 
um, I'm hopeful that that will be on the display. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> um, t- talking about like the counter-attack and, y- and yourself in that, um, I went t- to see you play the Seattle Reign against Boston Breakers um, yeah. last season. Obviously, they've broken up this season, the Breakers. But um, mm-hmm. going to see you live for the first time for me it was great because I got to see you play in what I thought was a bit more of like an attacking role certainly more yeah. of a playmaker's type of role with Wales you you don't especially in the game against England as a perfect example aren't quite as high up the pitch is that is that kind of difficult for you to do or do you enjoy doing that role as it's just something for the team yeah no it's it's not a difficult thing for me and it's not about enjoyment or you know you know, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? I want to do it. Like, if, if that's my job for Wales, then that's my job for Wales, yeah. you know? And there has been times where I've played a higher role for Wales, you know, uh, like for Bosnia, more freedom, which yeah. was fun. Um, but, no, my my role for club and country often varies because I can hold and I can go forward, I can yeah. attack. So it just determines in what game is needed me more to sit or me more to go forward. And, you know, that's kind of how it works for both club and country. And I enjoy both equally the same. Yeah. You know, I actually prefer holding a little bit more because um, I think it's more, you have to use your brain a little bit more, which I enjoy, because yeah. you have to both attack and defend and close down spaces, open spaces. You know, that's a little bit more tactical, I think, yeah. than, than anything else. And sometimes when I'm super high, you have to you have to wait for the ball to get there, and I'm quite impatient. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I I enjoy both roles. That, it really doesn't. It doesn't matter to me as long as I play in. I know my role, and I'll I'll do that to the best of my ability. Yeah, you know. You talked about it there, like uh, having us like it's not about enjoying it so much. I heard like, the podcast you did with modern football coach or modern soccer yeah. coach, and you talked about it like almost being a stressful experience playing for Wales at the minute mm-hmm. because of the pressure and everything else. Is is it that you get no enjoyment out of it, so to speak, or is it is is the enjoyment come from the end product? No, look, I get so much enjoyment. Give me one second. (laughs) I get so much enjoyment with our group, with Wales. Right now, I enjoy Wales probably more than I ever have before. Right in this moment, in this, you know, the last year has probably been the most enjoying time within the squad but it is true in that every game that we play is there's no like especially when you have to qualify especially for the World Cup there is no game that is like relaxing (laughs) or like there's so much pressure there's so much um, there's so much on everything that you do you look at the England game everyone has to do everything perfect you know like how hard that is on your yeah. brain to like <laughs> to do that not only for yourself but as a group of people working in the same manner it is it is yeah it is a lot like it's tiring it is it is um it is a lot of 
of mental work. And it's not so much the physical side of it, it is the mental side of it. You go into camp, you're on, you're on like work time from eight in the morning till nine at night. And whether that's in your training, whether that's in your recovery, whether that's in meeting after meeting after meeting, it's so much different to be in a club where you can just come in, get your stuff, go home, switch off. Yeah. On camp, so, 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 so the opposite of that but it has to be so like you know that before you go into camp like you know that that it's more of a mental focus and a mental um discipline so much than it is physical um but sometimes that's the hardest thing to do you know it's if you're mindlessly running you can do it all day you know but if as soon as you turn your brain on it's different you know and so at times over the years, yeah, I haven't enjoyed going away with Wales um, because, it, you know, I'm still playing in here. I'm in season. Um, at times when my teammates are going and having a week off, I'm flying home to Wales and it's camp and it's like mentally just draining. Yeah. And it's been very difficult to maintain that level for a very long time. Um, but the last... 18 months has probably been my most enjoyable for Wales yeah. from the fact of I will do what I'm doing um, and it's still draining it's still mentally draining but the group we're older now we're a little bit more mature and understanding of each other which makes camp a really nice place to be you know what what do you think has like Jane Ludlow has done has like has, has changed if you like the the results and everything else to the point where Wales are now so close to to get into a World Cup. Like I think there's a lot of different factors that go into this question. Number one, Jane is Welsh, so she really understands how we work. I truly believe that. And she's played at the game. She's played at the highest level. Um, so. She understands that too. She understands when on camp we need a break and when she'll just be like, go out for dinner or, you know, take the day off. She kind of gets that, which makes camp a better place to be, which makes you want to be there, you know, which is, which is great. Um, so there's that. And I think the beauty of it all right now is that we are older. A lot of our group is older. A lot of our group are full-time professionals, which we didn't have before. So it's all come together at the right time. Yeah. So it all works better. It's, 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 a difficult, it's a difficult one to ask, I guess, but where would this rank like on your list oh, of achievements? It would be by far the highest without, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. <laughs> um, like, I, mean, sure. I, I really do think that a lot of people would go over to France as well. Um, yeah, me too. I think <laughs> like a combination of kind of reliving the Euros would probably come into it for, for, for a few people as well. But like, um, I, I'm really interested in the way that this has kind of 
caught Welsh football's imagination a little bit to the point where, like you say, people are kind of arguing over tickets and uh, yeah. and stuff like that, which has not has never really been the case. Um, obviously, Welsh football has kind of come a long way since you've been a part of it. Um, what do you think needs to be done more to kind of keep improving things in Wales so that the, the national team can keep on keep going on the trajectory they're going? I think. Um, we need to get the right, all right league. We need to get a league going, and we yeah. do have a league, and I understand that. But we need that league to, um, we need that league to to start getting to a level where we can bring people into the national team with that league. Yeah, and it needs to be, and then they can go abroad and play. I'm all for that, but we need to have the structure that allows development for national team level players. And James doing a lot off the off the behind the scenes for that, which is huge. Um, and then other than that, it's just time and development and 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 investment. And I believe that we're going in the right direction for that. I really do. Yeah. Um, so I think that 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 is um, the the biggest thing. And it, it sounds like something so simple. It's a very different process, you know. It really is. One of our last few questions, just talking about uh, you getting to breaking the hundred cap barrier. Um, yeah. Is that is that something? I, mean, I know it's obviously a massive achievement, the first Wales player to do that. Um, yeah. Was that was that you know anything that would be a target for you when you first started out? And, and does each cap you get kind of mean as much to you as the first one? Yeah. Like, look, I. One, it was never a, never a thing of mine that I was like, I want to get to 100 caps or I want to be the first person to do it. That never, ever entered my head. It was always just, I want to play for Wales and, like, that's it. Truth be told, is like, up until, like, the 90-something cap, I didn't even know <laughs> that that's where I was at. I was just playing, you know? And, yeah. and yeah, I don't think anybody kind of wants to do that or, or like wants to hit those those targets or you could say when when you play for your country it's it's just that you you generally feel this I don't I can't even describe it to you but especially for Wales like you feel such a such a love really for for the putting on the red of Wales and, and it literally is that like you walk into the dressing rooms and you just see this red everywhere and it just like it just puts this massive, massive smile on your face, and then you put the kit on and you hear the anthem, and it's not about the number of caps at that point. It's just you want to do it for as long as you possibly can, and and whether you get rewarded for that or you don't, it's never, it's never, it never enters your your yeah your head really. You yeah. just you just want to keep playing. I mean, you, you, you're talking about there do it for doing it as long as you can. Um, I felt like in the last couple of conversations I've, I've I've seen of you online and stuff, I can see the smile on your face. You know where this is going. Um, that you've kind of possibly hinted at like an international retirement. Is that is that something that's on your mind without wishing to put words in your mouth? No. Yeah, it is a hundred percent. Look, I'm going to be 32 in January. I have played for Wales for over. Well, it must be. 12, 12 to 15 years now. Like, 
and I love it. I've loved every single second of it. Even when I haven't enjoyed it, I've still loved it because I love playing for Wales. But it gets to a point where you have to really like look at one your body, two your mind, um, and three your, your life a little bit. You know, like I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to be 32. There's a big part of me right now that understands that football is becoming a less and less big important part of my life. Like I want a little bit of a normal life. I want a great relationship. I want a family. You know, and if I was to continue to play for Wales, um, you're, you're looking at me having to commit another four years of my life to that. Yeah. And I just, because I could never do it half-heartedly, that's just not who I am. So for me to say I'm absolutely not going to retire is me saying I'm going to commit another three years of my life and I don't think I can do that right now. You know, and so, um, so yeah, there is a big part of me that feels that this might be my last, my last hurrah. Absolutely, no, I, I, I appreciate your honesty. Like, um, I, I would, I, I would expect a lot of people to kind of beat around the bush with that one. So I appreciate it. Um, one of the last things we did want to ask about was your, you know, moving into retirement, and obviously you did a lot of coaching um, in different places you've been in Cardiff and Melbourne. Is that is that where you see your next step being? Yeah, yeah, um, it is. I um, currently do my A license now with the association, the FAW Association. Um, but I'm not going to lie; it's very difficult, <laughs> um, and it's really hard to to do it whilst I'm still playing because so much of my time is still invested in my playing and my recovery and. That the amount of workload for this A license is honestly like, this is my karma for dropping out of school. I think <laughs> <laughs> A license is so hard. Um, so I've had to just push it back a little bit because I am still focused on playing, and that is my priority right now. And obviously, yeah. I have a lot of time to figure out my coaching anyway. Um, but it is definitely something that um, I want to do i am passionate about that i can see myself going into um but i'm also not going to rush it you know i want to learn to be a good coach um like i learned to be a good player and it takes a lot of time you know i don't just want to kind of be like oh i'm just fish log i played this i've just got my coaching and then i go bam into like some some big gig you know that's that's not how i want to do it i want to i want to i want to get there the right way i want to take my time i want to learn from the right people so it'll probably be a longer process than what people are probably thinking but um that's kind of what i have in my head with regards to the coaching side of it no, well, thank you very much. Just a huge thank you for your time and, and fitting us in on multiple occasions. <laughs> <laughs> I just want no, I just want to tell yeah. you a little bit more of a story about Saren and how and how we met okay. met her. So Haley was um, did her coach down to St Mary's, and, and Nicola and Saren were were part of the people on there. And it turned out that Saren and her family had been to see the game against Kazakhstan at the, at the CCS. 
And, oh, yeah. and, and, and Saren said to her mum, she just couldn't understand why the place wasn't full. You know, it had been full for the men and it wasn't full for you. And Nicola, her, her mum, was explaining, you know, a little bit of a background there. And so Saren basically single-handedly kind of got the family together, got them onto Haley's bus down to St. Mary's, was not standing for it <laughs> with you guys not wow. having the support. And now she's got her aunties coming to aunties the game in, at the Liberty wow. and everything. So she's single-handedly increasing your crowd. So she's a bit of a star on our podcast, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's great. I guess I'll have to meet her somehow. Maybe uh, we can figure that out. Uh, yeah. That would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she'd love yeah. that. Thank you very much for your time. I really, really appreciate no, it. No, thank you for being so understanding with my schedule. I really appreciate it. So there you go. That was our chat with Jess Fishnock. She's amazingly honest. Isn't she, she really is. I mean, she's she's obviously a very confident and articulate lady, but. I, I was really surprised with how honest and open she was with our questions. I agree. I mean, to her, to the, the stuff about her talking about her retirement, um, you know, brutally honest about things she says that she needs to improve and sees improving in women's football. It was a it was a brilliant conversation. Yeah, it was actually an interesting insight into her life in Seattle, wasn't it? As well, because listeners might not realise, but we actually. That was sort of three sittings, wasn't it? <laughs> Between her, like either side of a physio uh, session and a full day of training, full day of training, en route home, you know, and she kept she kept fitting us in, which was which was amazing. But um, just made you realise how packed her life is, and the, the point she was making about despite loving playing for Wales, just needing some balance. Yeah. You, I, I can understand that. I mean, the other thing she talked about as part of that was also things that you don't necessarily think about unless you live here in America, which is, you know, Thursday's her day off, her rest day, but she's got to probably spend six hours, probably longer on a plane, going all the way to Florida, like you say, for a game. And I guess the the hectic nature of, of that, plus you get to the East Coast and for her, she's then got to do another six hours back to London and three hours back yeah. to Cardiff or Newport or whatever they're doing. Um, or even further along, you think about games in Russia and Kazakhstan and Bosnia. I mean, not exactly the easiest of places no, to get to. So no. I do understand her, you know... Her I mean, the nature of the geography is that their league, the league games here are effectively like European Championship games in terms of the process of getting from A to B, yeah. aren't they? So you're always playing... Logistically, you're always playing those sorts of games, yeah. which is it's a drain, I'm sure. I also found it interesting just her honesty in general talking about um, you know things like that you know wanting a family for example like you know a great sort of you know that she's that honest and and she's very clear about what her stated goals are so to speak Um, but I thought her honesty stretching across other things talking about what the what the American football system needs to do to improve just everything in general for so it's a more level playing field but um, yeah there was a lot of complications to being an international player here in the US that I, I had um, it, that passed me back yeah me too um, so that again is a, is a layer of complexity and balance that um, I can understand the frustration if, if literally your teammates are getting passes for yeah. international uh, representative, representative games and, and you and half the team aren't yeah. you know that's it's not going to help is it I also thought the way she spoke about women's football in general was very impressive and you know we talked about punditry for example and 
women women need in more of a voice but unfortunately the way it is at the minute is that that voice seems to need to come from a male perspective almost to say that you know it's, it, women's football is good um i just found her all her whole outlook on everything just brilliant like you say we did it in three sittings in the end from before training to after training to having a lift home to walking home and um and everything else so yeah just a massive thank you to Jess really for for the time she gave us for her flexibility but it's, it's great for her that she was able to answer all our questions um, answer Saren's questions and uh, just thank you very much for her time I suppose yeah and good luck in August absolutely good <laughs> luck in August big thank you to Owen Vaughan Williams Owen Tudor Jones Uan Roberts and again of course Jess Fishlock for everyone who's been involved in our summer podcasts to go along with this episode we are giving away one of fee whales new kaylee green t-shirts all you have to do to be in with a chance of winning that t-shirt is press retweet on our original twitter links that we send out it's going to have the links to the podcast and it's going to be tagged with a picture of Haley's new t-shirt as i say of kaylee green all you have to do to be in with a chance of winning that t-shirt is press retweet on that tweet If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and please write something positive about the podcast as well if you enjoyed it. If you want to press subscribe and get everything that we do as a podcast, that would be amazing. And finally, if you have liked this podcast, please go back and listen to our other Summer Series podcasts with Owen Vaughan-Williams, Owen Tudor-Jones and Ioan Roberts. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.